एंड वेलकम टू द हिंदू पार्ले आई एम सोनम सैगल एंड आई हैव विद मी पी डी टी आचार्य फॉर्मर सेक्रेटरी जनरल ऑफ द लोकसभा एंड रुचि गुप्ता एग्जीक्यूटिव डायरेक्टर ऑफ द फ्यूचर ऑफ इंडिया फाउंडेशन On February 17th the Election Commission of India decided to allot Shiv Sena party's name and symbol to Maharashtra Chief Minister Eknath Shinde's faction This order has brought the anti-defection law under the scanner as it calls for disqualification of elected representatives if they switch political parties on the lure of executive office or other gains This brings me to our topic today Does the anti-defection law need changes So if I may begin with you the anti defection law was enacted on March 1st 1985 can you please explain to our listeners what was the need to have this law then well the anti defection law was passed by parliament in 1985 but before that for a very long time the political class was actually very anxiously trying to work out some kind of a law some kind of a legislative measure to curb the defection that had been taking place uh, in various parts of india uh, with a disturbing regularity the defection you know although it has been taking place in many of the legislatures defection caused destabilization of the governments many governments have fallen and new governments come up with the help of the defectors so that process went on for a long time and the political class actually was grappling with this issue how to how to tackle this many efforts were made many bills were brought before the parliament in one house or the other and but there were objections and there were problems with each of those bills so nothing could be done finally after rajiv gandhi came to power with a very massive majority then uh, he seriously took up this issue and the government prepared a bill and brought it before the house and unanimously it was passed of course there were a lot of discussions on this and various opinions were expressed some people thought that perhaps this measure or this legislative measure would curb the freedom of speech of the members and the tyranny of the political bosses will affect the free exercise of opinion by the members of the legislature who are elected by the people that kind of thing but the point is defection was an evil it was recognized everywhere as an evil and therefore there was a need to curb that evil and that is why there was a consensus among the political class that there should be a law to curb the defection in fact there there is a very famous joke about the defection that is aya ram and gaya ram that means ram came out of a party in the morning he joined another party by the lunch time and after the lunch he will join at another party this kind of a thing was going on and therefore there was a great instability in the political system in the party system to be exact and that is why it became necessary to bring a law to stop this practice uh, which was considered to be a political evil and that is why the law was brought uh, before par- the bill was brought before parliament and it was passed unanimously by both the houses
that is the background of the anti defection law ruchi would you like to add anything to this right so i agree that defections are uh, evil right i mean but i think what this bill tries to do is the in the effort to stabilize party systems um it is doing this by consolidating control of the party leadership and not by extending ideology or ownership of the party and by doing this what it's effectively doing is that it's framing democracy not as a system of representation and accountability but as a contest between factions of consolidated power so right it's one political party in a very congealed way against another political party as opposed to legislators being elected to represent people and then the legislators then electing the government so in that sense i find that this is in an effort to try and consolidate the party system it has effectively done away with the representative system of democracy in our country okay uh, the anti defection law was brought in to bring stability and demand accountability from the legislatures in the indian political system so how do you think it is faring today well you know at any time there can be uh, two opinions about the need for a anti defection law or the kind of anti defection law that should be there naturally there can be different opinions but the point is the if you look at the scheme of this anti defection law you'll find that uh, the of course the principal aim uh, was to curb defection but the most important thing that we should know about the anti defection law is that the it it was it was actually seeking to stabilize the the party system because our democracy in our democracy the parties political parties are the principal stakeholders political parties contest the election and the legislators who come to the uh, houses uh, are members of political parties and therefore the stability of the political system becomes an imperative it's a very is a very very important factor uh, in the in the whole uh, in the whole uh, thing and that is why uh, the the this law was made with a principal focus on the stability of the party system but if you look at our experience um, uh, during the past 37 36 37 years the kind of defection which used to take place before the passing of this law uh, is not taking place now of course the later uh, the recent events um, show that there is uh, some tightening of this law needs to be done that i i think i will come to that come to that later uh, if if there is a question on that some uh, tightening is required a little tightening was done earlier by doing away with the split otherwise under the under that provision that is paragraph 3 of the attend uh, schedule Um, if there is a split in a political party and one third of the uh, legislators uh, move along with the breakaway group then uh, they would not be disqualified so split was a defense against disqualification uh, but that was done away with because of experience which the the political class gained um, people were actually misusing that particular provision uh, and uh, they were they were Uh, in fact breaking up parties that is why it was done away with but now a very disturbing trend is developing uh, the trend is 
to interpret uh, paragraph 6 uh, in a particular way because there is no authoritative declaration of law from the Supreme, Supreme Court on the exact application of paragraph 6 which is uh, which which says that there should be a merger and then two thirds of the members will agree with that merger and so on but uh, people but there is no authoritative pronouncement of law from the supreme court and therefore the political class finds it very easy to circumvent it and that the thing is going on now ruchi yes may i add um, in all due respect uh, mr chari people are principal stakeholders in a democracy parties are merely institutional intermediaries now while i agree with you that party stability is required it is unclear why that stability should come on the back of exercising control over the legislators which effectively does away with their representative role in a democracy there are many ways of in fact no other democracy only a handful of countries zimbabwe pakistan etc have this law otherwise the legislator is very well within their right to vote for the measure that they want to vote for and it's not as if they vote against the party line that they would be disqualified so it really makes no sense why we should have this i also want to say that the anti defection law whatever its stated purpose to increase party stability to stop defections has actually turned out to be completely useless we have been seeing that governments have fallen over and over um earlier there was a split of one third now there is a two third merger um now even after this two third merger there are attempts and uh, mr pachari has mentioned he is sort of alluded um that the law needs to be tightened um there are attempts that you know there should be automatic disqualification or that the speaker must address the disqualification petitions in a time bound manner but the political process is just too wide for any kind of institutional process to be able to capture it if the elected uh, if the defectors were disqualified they will have their family members stand in their stead if there was some other kind of a process i'm sure that there would be a way that they would figure out the loophole it's the law is trying to use a legal measure to address a political problem and the political problem must be addressed through the politics there are only what 4000 mlas in the entire country there are only about 750 or 800 mps in a country of 1.4 billion it's very unclear why political parties are unable to find serious people to contest on their ticket why should they have such irresponsible elected representatives that they have to be physically corralled and their phones confiscated uh so that they don't jump to another party so it's not that difficult to find people who would take their word seriously who would you know adhere to the party ideology and for that of course the party also needs to be a little more serious about its ideology there needs to be an inner party democracy where grievances can be vented it can't simply be that the party leadership should exercise complete control over elected representatives as if the elected representatives are exercising only delegated power and they have absolutely no representative role which is exactly what their role is their their constitutional role is to be representatives of people and not to exercise delegated power at the behest of the party leadership <laughs> so you spoke about a disturbing trend so what is seen in karnataka goa and now maharashtra 
do you think that political pressure accompanied with monetary gains takes precedence over the anti-defection law and reigns supreme well that is precisely the point uh, why do they defect when they are elected uh, on a party ticket on a party symbol uh, why do they defect at all for lure of office and and things like that so in our uh, part of the world you know it is very well to speak about the idealist situation uh, which may be prevailing in uh, some countries but not in uh, the asian region in any case you know here you have to you have to consider the political reality people do switch loyalty party loyalty people do defect uh, for a political cause why should they do that now it is not because they don't have any freedom uh, to speak and all that party forums are there they can air their views and if you have conscientious objection to a particular thing well you take it up with the party leadership and if you don't if you don't agree with the party leadership at all then you can get out of the party why should you why should you remain there and exercise your freedom you approach the people as an independent you can fight and the people agree with you then they will vote you back to the house all that is possible but then if you leave the whole thing to the members yes it's very uh, I, i i appreciate this point that people should be the members of parliament they are elected members of parliament or members of the assembly etc they are elected representatives naturally they have a they have a, they have a, a stature of their own and they have their own position constitutionally recognized and all that but defections takes place because of lure of office or related things that is why defection takes place others ideological defection doesn't take place in india at least there is no empirical evidence about that now coming to the point about the misinterpretation of paragraph 6 paragraph 6 says two things one is that a member goes to the speaker and says that the party has merged with another party and me and my friends we constitute two third of the legislative party and we have agreed with the merger in that case the speaker shall not disqualify them so this is a defense like the split which was there earlier so this is a defense which they can put up against the disqualification process now the point is merger of parties that has to take place in point of time first merger of parties and the two thirds of the members of the, of the of the legislature should agree with that but here the political class has given a totally different interpretation to this they say that if the legislature party merges with another party and two thirds of the members merge with another party then they will escape disqualification now this is what has happened uh, in some of these states and in fact the goa bench of the maharashtra high court endorsed this opinion which according to me is absolutely wrong and that goes against the very spirit of this of this paragraph 6 in fact the paragraph 6 has been brought in only to make defection absolutely impossible because it is very difficult to imagine 
then a political party of some standing will easily merge with another party. That doesn't happen normally. So if that doesn't happen, then there won't be any defection as such. Because people can move out and agree with the uh, merger only when there is a merger. But here, the politicians think that the parties don't have to merge. But the, if the legislators move over to another uh, party, that is good enough. So that is a very wrong interpretation of the law. Unfortunately, that issue has not been brought before the Supreme Court. So therefore, therefore, we don't have an authoritative, authoritative statement of law on this on this point. Right. I I think that uh, well, there can be difference of opinion. Uh, you know, in a in a all politics is really about context, um, and we are at a time when we feel that perhaps there is excessive consolidation of power in the ruling party. Um, there is a sense that if there was, you know, if one was to do away with the anti-defection law, it would become even more difficult for opposition political parties to be able to resist um, advances by the ruling party when they try and lure away MLAs and MPs. And I think that's a valid point. However, I think there are two other points that one should also consider. The first is that when we do away with the with the anti-defection law in place, it's impossible to be able to create and recreate majorities, which is essentially what the parliament is supposed to do, right? On different policies and on different legislations, the idea is that MPs and MLAs should vote according to their constituents' interests. However, at this point of time, and the recent example that comes to mind is the farmer's issue, uh, even if an MP felt that the law was going against the constituency's interest and against their own constitute against their own interest because they would have to face re-election again. They could not have bypassed, they could not have gone against the whip. Right? So that's the first problem I see, which has which has a bigger impact on our democratic functioning than simply, you know, party stability. The second thing is that rather than just seeing it as a ruling party versus opposition party, even if there was to be no anti-defection law, I think it would create a more even playing field even within uh, political parties. Right now, the only people who would leave would be, and the only people who would vote against um, their own party would be opposition MLAs and MPs. Whereas if this law was to be done away with, I think that there would be room for dissent even within the ruling party. And in that, to me, that seems like a to me, that seems like something that would be a better situation than right now, where the ruling party, by virtue of the excessive consolidation of power, has essentially become very, very consolidated even within the political party. So the idea that, you know, doing away with the anti-defection bill will necessarily work only against the opposition in the current circumstance, I don't think is a correct assumption. I think that it would also create room for dissent within the current ruling party and it should be something that opposition parties think about as opposed to simply trying to consolidate power on a party by party basis. Okay, last question. Do you think that the law in its current form is being misused? If yes, would you suggest any changes in it, sir? Well, uh, it is being misused in the sense that it is being misinterpreted and they are taking advantage of that misinterpretation which is done by them only. 
So this is the problem here. In Maharashtra, it has happened. In other places, it has happened because there is no there is no authoritative interpretation of law, um, particularly it's paragraph six by the Supreme Court. That is it. So once the Supreme Court lays down the law, they say that yes, the merger has to take place between two parties, and after that, two thirds of the members they agree with the merger, then you are safe. Otherwise, you are not safe. They have to make it very clear. That is the thing, and then. The in the present law, uh, that is the ten schedule, there is no uh, timeline fixed for the speaker to determine the issue. That also uh, has helped people in some cases uh, where the whole uh, thing gets prolonged, uh, and the purpose of this anti-defection law is defeated. So, speaker may not take any decision for the entire term of the assembly. Because they think that since the law doesn't fix any timeline, so we can take our own time. That is thing. So that is one thing which need to be laid down in the law that the speaker should uh, determine this issue within three months or four months or whatever reasonable time should be taken, and uh, then the matter should be over. Otherwise, this will go on and on uh, for the entire session, and then it becomes actually. Uh, irrelevant or infractuous after the assembly term is over. These are some of the things which are required to be done if you want to keep this law on the statute book. Of course, if a political party thinks that anti-defection law is not necessary because we have become so mature that we will behave in a very responsible way, our legislators, then of course at a, at a particular stage they can they can do away with this law. After all. It may not be necessary at that stage. Uh, therefore, they can do away with the law. But at the moment, I feel, uh, looking at the present situation, and also um, if we look at the the, the, the immediate future, I don't think there is uh, there is a case uh, for scrapping this this law. This law, according to me, is necessary, but it has to be further tightened. Now, so far as the freedom of speech of the members is concerned. Article 105 makes it very clear that a legislator has, the member of parliament, has the freedom of speech. He can express his views fearlessly. In fact, that is precisely what the ruling party members should do. At the time of voting, of course, they can take a different position. Uh, they have to act in accordance with the direction from the party. And, uh, but otherwise, the advantage is that if you speak out in the house, in the committees, your mind, uh, and then you can bring the government down around um, on that particular point of view. Now, reference to the farm bills was made. In fact, the farm bills were rushed in, and there was not much of a time for members to deliberate on it uh, or even understand the implications of it. And it was rushed through, and we have seen what happened later. That position or that situation should not be created because you have the system, the parliamentary system of scrutiny. That is, the committee system is there, robust system, in fact. And the whole thing should be passed through that system. Once it goes through that system, and the members of the ruling party can freely express their opinions. In fact, the parliamentary committees, where the, the tradition is to rise above the party lines and discuss issues. About the about the party line, so that 
system is in place, people can use that. But at the time of voting, of course, you have to go by the party way. But then there is enough of scope for the government to come around and make uh, suitable amendments uh, in, in the bills. All that is possible within the system. That is it. But the anti-defection law has to remain uh, on the statute book. It needs to be to be corrected or needs to be tightened so that uh, the defection, which is an evil which is which has been felt acutely in our country, um, is, is done away with. Ruchi, last comments. Right. So I think first of all, I don't know if the bill is being, uh, if the act is being misused. I think it's just completely useless. It's clearly not able to stop defections and any amount of tinkering. Um, I think political representatives are smart enough that they will figure out the loophole and work their way around it. So if if it were up to me, I would suggest that the bill should be scrapped. And I've written about the fact that the act needs to be scrapped. Secondly, even if it's about party stability, then I think that the scope of the statute could be limited to only no confidence motions because that's the only thing that's related to party stability and not all acts and all legislations that have been brought um, into the parliament or in the state legislatures. The third thing about the farm bill, if there had been no uh, Mr. Chari mentioned that um, the farm bills were rushed and the legislators did not have the time to be able to talk about and deliberate on the bill. If there had been no anti-defection bill law in place, then the government would have had to convince and canvass its own legislators as well. And they wouldn't have been able to rush the bill, the farm bills. So I think what the uh, anti-defection law has done is it's just congealed political power in the hands of the political leadership of parties. Um, and the MLAs and the MPs have been made fairly redundant. There is no need to canvas your own party MLAs or MPs either to try and convince them of certain bills. So it's effectively killed off avenues for inner party democracy also. Finally, the one point I want to make is that it will be really quite absurd for an MP or an MLA to speak against a certain measure, but then vote for the measure. Uh, it's just not going to make sense. Um, so either if there is freedom of speech, there also has to be freedom of action. And the only way that would make sense would be if people can, if the elected representative can vote according to their conscience. And the last point, absolutely last point, I think that there is a sense that other democracies are more evolved and India is less evolved. At the time of independence, it was felt that, you know, maybe we should give the vote only to a certain set of people and not to the entire electorate. But that was not what was decided. It was decided that people do have the majority. I think this idea that uh, control needs to be exercised by party leadership over elected representatives um, because we are not mature enough like other democracies makes little sense um, if one was to see the trajectory of our own country. I think that party leadership should decide that if they want to preserve stability of their party system, they should have inner party democracy. They should have ideological cohesion within the party as opposed to trying to exercise control over the legislators in this manner. Great. All right. Okay, thank you so much, Mr. Acharya and Ruchi, for your time. Thank you. Thank you.